Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. And don't forget to subscribe. Saints, what a privilege uh, and what an honor for us to come together for this purpose of celebrating the victorious Jesus. Victorious Jesus on the cross. Beautifully illustrated in that moment. Bruising and battering and defeating the enemy in what looked like surrender. As I've been thinking about Good Friday, as I've been thinking about the story of the cross, I've been imagining what it must have been like to be an observer on the day of the crucifixion of the Christ. Having heard of this guy, maybe even having seen or beheld some of his teachings, maybe some of the people who were witnesses had seen him perform some miracles, or there were some rumors, we know he was a well-known person, and that the things that he had done and said had traveled amongst the different towns, and so people had heard of him. What would have been going through their minds when they were seeing him dragged between uh, uh, between, between rulers, what would have uh, they been thinking as they were seeing him being whipped and scourged and mocked, as they were seeing him carrying a cross, knowing what that means? Those who had seen crucifixion before, knowing what it meant for him that this was a death sentence for this man who had these words that seemed to inspire things inside of people. This man who, who seemed to operate in, in, in an authority that people found difficult to explain. And, and even those who were starting to get excited about this movement, there was, they're starting to get a bit of a groundswell. And, 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 and there might have been rumors between households and communities about which side are you falling on? And do you believe this teacher's sayings? And, and are you of this way, this master, this rabbi, this new teacher? Or are you against him? Or are you with the, 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 the rulers and the teachers of the day and the Philistines and, and the things that they're saying? And, 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 and you can imagine the conversations that were happening in homes and in dinner tables about, well, how, well how, how do you explain what I felt when he started to speak? How do we explain what we saw him do? And somebody else going, no, well, this guy doesn't fit the criteria. And after all, we've seen other Messiah come and go, he will be just like one of them. You can imagine those conversations around the dinner tables and how it must have split families and communities. And yet on this day, here is this Messiah, and he's carrying his cross, and he's on the way to the mount or to the place of the skull. And there he is nailed to the cross. And there, everybody, critics and supporters alike, Watch him die. And so to the natural eye, it was defeat. It's over. Like some other guys who had come before him, who had made some claims. This guy too is dead. Let's go home. And maybe another one will come along and will make some claims. And so that's what you would have been seeing if you were standing there with the eyes 
of the flesh. A defeated potential leader of a movement. A guy who had some good things to say, a guy who, who, who had some interesting things to say, um, and, and at, the very, at the very least, uh, uh, was, was a good remedy for, for boredom, right? But here he was and he's dead. Okay, so what now? And yet if we roll back, and if we stand there again, but this time, we don't behold this moment with the eyes of the flesh. This time, we behold this moment with the eyes of the Spirit. We're seeing something different. That, that in that surrender, that, that in that torture, we, we are seeing sacrifice. And, and in that sacrifice, we're seeing victory. And so I want to pose this question to you today. As we celebrate this good, good Friday. What is so good about Good Friday? What is so good about a Messiah dying on the cross? What is so good about God sending his son to die? What is so good about torture and shame and ridicule and sacrifice and pain? And eventual death. I want to put before you three things regarding this question. What is so good about Good Friday? The plan is good, the lamb is good, and the outcome is good. That's what I want to leave you with. The plan is good, the lamb is good. And the outcome is good. And so if when we read in Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there was a plan. And the plan was for God to extend his family. God lived in this perfect union between God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it was perfect. And they needed nothing outside of that. And it was beautiful. And because of the love and the goodness of God, he said, you know what? Let's create other beings to enjoy this perfection. That's why you were created, not to be punished, not to have hardship in this life, not to live a, a, a confused life. You were created to be part of the family of God, enjoying the fellowship of God, knowing per perfect union. That perfect union existed before you and I came along. Before Adam and Eve came along, it was there and it was perfect. It was self-sustaining. There was nothing needed outside of that. It's important that we understand that because if we understand that, we understand that when God created us, he didn't create us because he needed our worship. He didn't create us because he was lonely. He created us because there was a perfection that he wanted others to experience that he wanted to bring you into. 
And so there is this plan that is hatched. Let us make man in our image. He will carry our authority and we will put him on this earth and, 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 and we will mand- mandate these people to be like us, to, to behave like us, to, to think like us, to relate together like us. And it's going to be beautiful. And that was the mandate. And in, in, in 1 John 4, we read that in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. That the first love was not our love towards God, but that he first loved us. And so the plan was good. And, and the plan to roll out this kingdom and this beautiful kingdom that would represent the family of God was disrupted, right? It was disrupted, but but God was not caught unawares. He he was not caught on the back foot because you see, along with this plan of creation came the plan of redemption. Those plans were hatched together. To create us and to redeem us. So, so God didn't sit there after we had sinned and go, well, we, we, we need a backup plan. We need to save this situation. He wasn't caught off guard. When he created you and I, his desire for relationship with us was to the extent that he, he knew that we would fall short and he was willing to do what it would take to bring us back into relationship. So in the same breath as let us create man, there is a, but who will go for us? And there's Jesus who is already, Scripture tells us, before or at the foundation of the, of the, of the when the foundations of the earth were laid, was already being sacrificed. He had already made that decision. That he knew what it would take to bring us into perfect relationship again. And that was the plan. And, and, and we can see the plan very clearly in Scripture when we take a bird's eye view. And maybe you've, you've heard us talk of this concept of the scarlet thread. Maybe you've come across it in your own uh, Bible studies. And what the scarlet thread is, it's called the scarlet thread of, scarlet thread of redemption. And it's... it's It's patterns in Scripture that illustrate the plan for our redemption. It's it's shadows that are echoed in Scripture of what Christ would, would, the the manifestation of the cross and what Christ would become for us. The very first time we see this echoed, the very first scarlet thread that we see is in the book of Genesis, right at the fall, right at the point where man falls short and God comes into the picture and says, what have you done? And Adam and Eve, did somebody say nothing? (laughs) I love it. Adam and Eve are hiding, right? They're hiding behind a bush because they've sinned. 
And, uh, and, and, and part of the consequence of, of the sin was that they now had become aware of things that they weren't aware of before. Before they had done this, they had to rely on God to tell them what is right and what is wrong. He, he was the one who defined right and wrong. Um, he was the one who defined whether they, would, they, should, they should feel bad or not, whether they should feel embarrassed, whether they should feel shame. It, all of that came from him. And part of the consequence was, was, was that they now became aware of that. And, and so they suddenly realized, they looked at each other and suddenly realized they were naked. Never occurred to them before. Because God hadn't told them. And so they hid. And, and, and they made a plan, right? So they, they, they took some leaves, some fig leaves, and they put them together and they covered themselves up. And God comes into the picture and, and, uh, and he says to them, what, 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 what have you got there? No, Lord, we, you know, this woman, and you know how it is. And, um, <laughs> and God, Scripture tells us, God created new coverings for them. And he created covering out of animal skin. And, and right there, we get an indication of the scarlet thread how God would bring about the salvation of mankind. Because in order for him to, to provide the animal skin for the covering, he had to kill an animal. There was an, a, a, an innocent animal that was sacrificed for our covering so that our nakedness to be, could be covered. And, and God was already starting to echo at this point what, what the cross would do. Because Jesus would come as the innocent lamb, the Bible tells us, and he would be sacrificed, and through his sacrifice, we would receive covering. Because every other covering that we had had before then was insufficient, was a fig leaf. And so the plan, the plan was good. There's, there's many other areas that we can look in Scripture, and we see... Um, examples of, of the scarlet thread. The, the Passover that we celebrate today is an example of that. Where, where, when, when, when God was going to bring out the Israelites out of Egypt and he was taking them out and, and they were finally going to gain their freedom that, that he says to them to, to, to cover their doorposts, to paint their doorposts with blood, the blood of a lamb. And, and, the, and, and the instruction was, stay indoors, have this blood covering, and, and death is going to come over Egypt. But, but where the blood, where, where there's blood on the doorpost, death is going to pass over and is not going to touch that household. But where there's a household that is not covered by the blood, death is going to touch that household. And the reason we're celebrating today, and the reason we, we look at Christ on the cross and we, we jump up and down, is because we recognize that that blood that is being spilt is the blood that we get to paint on our uh, spiritual doorpost. It's that blood that we get to come under. And so we're celebrating, not because we love to see suffering, we're celebrating because we're recognizing death is coming, and, and, but because of the sacrifice, because of this blood, death passes us over. We're celebrating because where other people see death, we're seeing life and life eternal. And so the enemy is celebrating a victory and he's saying, I've defeated him. I have killed him. We're saying, thank you. You have provided the blood by which we have gained eternal life. 
The blood. The blood. I'll give you just another example of the, of, of the scarlet thread. Um, when, when, the, uh, the, when, when the Israelites were going to, to conquer Jericho and they met the, the, the prostitute Rahab, and, uh, and, and, and she, uh, as she was moved by the Spirit, she decides she's going to help them, and, and, and she's going to provide a way in for them. And the deal was that when we come back, see, they, they'd sent some spies in to survey the land, and the spies had made this deal with her. And the deal was when we come back, you, you have to uh, hang a, 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 a scarlet uh, a, a rope down your window, and that's how we will know which, your, which one is your house and your household. Your household will be spared. Everybody else is going to be destroyed. And, and so this, this, through this way and because of this deal, they're able to conquer uh, uh, this, this land. But her and her household are spared because of the scarlet thread. And so we see, this is just, I've just told you about three. There's many instances that we see in Scripture, all echoing of the cross, all echoing of the time that the Christ would come and he would walk amongst us. And then he would, he would live this, this perfect life uh, that, that we were actually supposed to have lived. Uh, right? he, the, the, where Adam uh, fell short, Jesus took over from there. Uh, you know, where, where Adam was supposed to have upheld the stand. So Jesus comes in, and he lives that perfect life. And, 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 then, and then he goes and he dies on the cross, even though he was innocent. And so the plan is good. And the lamb is good. Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us, is, is the spotless lamb. In Revelation, he's described as the only one worthy to open the scrolls. There was no one else found in heaven, in earth, in all of creation who was worthy to die. No one else could have carried our sins for us. It had to be Jesus. And, and, and we can track through the, the whole of the Old Testament, and, and, and it doesn't stop there, but we can track through and we can see that the efforts that people made to try and bring themselves closer to God, the, the efforts that people made to try and, and cover themselves, and, and even when we behold the, the sacrificial system given to us by God, it was insufficient. It was insufficient. So, so why did God give us an insufficient system? So that we would know that it was insufficient. So that when the Christ came, we would know that there is no other way by which man can be saved except through the man, Jesus Christ. Why? Because we've tried everything else. We've tried everything else. Generation after generation, Thousands of years spanned of animals killed, sacrificed daily, weekly, monthly, over many feasts to try and bridge the gap between us and God failed. Maybe you have tried some things. Maybe you have gotten to that point of I have tried many things to bridge the gap between myself and God, to make myself feel better, to make myself feel clean. And you can recognize that it has failed. Sometimes God will let you try to be your own savior. 
He will let you try to put it together your own systems. He will let you try to manufacture your own solutions so that you can get to the end of yourself and to realize that there is only one way that I can be saved and it is the Lamb. I am convinced of it because I have tried everything else. I have tried to stand on my own intelligence. I have tried to stand on my education. I have tried to stand on my giftings. I have tried to visit the Sangom. I have tried to all manner of spiritual things. I've tried other religions. I've tried self-help books. I've tried nothing else is going to save you, saints, except the blood of Jesus Christ. Watch this. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It's right there. The law cannot make us perfect. It wasn't designed to make them perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. If it had worked, they would have stopped doing it. Because it, it was an expensive exercise. They would have stopped doing it. For the, for the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could, could take away sins. It's just not possible. Watch what verse 13 says. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sins are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. When, this is simply saying, when the, the, the sacrificial system was mandated, the law was that the, 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 the burnt offerings were to be discarded outside of the camp. The, the, the flesh of the animal was to be destroyed outside of the camp. And so the sacrifice would be made at the altar, but the, 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 the body of the animal would be, would be destroyed outside of the camp for the sin offering. And so Jesus, because he was our sin offering... He he had his trial, there was a shedding of blood inside the camp, like the animal, but then he was led outside of the camp for his destruction, so that he could fulfill all things. So Jesus could truly be our sacrificial lamb. So what is so good about Good Friday? The plan is good. It was a good plan. The lamb is good. He's a good, good lamb. And the outcome is good. Many ways in which we can behold the outcome of the cross. One of my favorite ways in doing this is just looking at um, immediately just some of the things that Jesus uttered, uttered on the cross. Commonly known as the seven sayings uh, of, of Jesus on, on the cross. So when he was nailed there, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
So right there, the outcome of the cross is being displayed in a forgiveness that is given to us before we even know to ask for it. So, so when we are being invited into repentance, we're not being invited into the process of twisting God's arm. It is, it, it is the scheme of Satan to make you believe that when you go before God to ask for forgiveness, that he's waiting there, uh, rubbing his hands together, waiting to, to make you squirm. That, that, he, that he really wants you to, you know, I want you to feel it. So, sometimes... Um, you know, we, we, we calculate, we compute these things in, in, in human terms, you know, so, so, so we, we, we impose ourselves on God, and, and um, I, I, every so often I would have a fight with, um, with Kolo, with, with my wife, and the best fights are the ones where I know I'm right, yeah. and, um, and, and she's going to have to come and apologize, and those are beautiful because, man, <laughs> they're, they're few and far between, but I am ready to milk it, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, often I start right, but, but um, I end up doing the apologizing. Because I'm trying to milk it, right? I'm trying, mm, yeah, 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 I hear you, but what about? Yeah, mm, but yeah, but you, you apologize, but then you said, but. That's not a real apology. You know, so, so it, I don't know, it gives me something, you know, it, it's, and I'm like squeezing, and I'm squeezing the moment. It's sinful. But I go and I impose that on God, and I, I assume that God does the same thing with me. He doesn't. It was taken care of over here. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We come in, when we're repenting, we're coming in, and we're, we're laying that stuff down, and we're saying, I, I receive that forgiveness that you dispensed at the cross. We're coming to receive, not to convince. He says, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And of course, he's, he's referring to one of the, the thieves that he was, he was crucified with. The one mocked him and, and, and the one worshipped him and asked for forgiveness right there and said, remember me when you enter into your paradise. And Jesus' response was, you'll be with me this very day. Before the cross, it would have required that thief to somehow make it down the cross to find a sufficient animal to take it to the priest and to follow all the rituals and maybe, you know, something is sated in that moment. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, there is immediate forgiveness. His repentance was recognized immediately and forgiven immediately. And not only that, the promise was given immediately that today you are with me in paradise. Woman, behold thy son. So Jesus is there and he's, he's hanging on the cross for our sins and he's carrying this exceptional burden that we will never ever get to understand, right? We, we can never hope to try to understand what it is that he carried on that cross because when we talk about the fact that God poured out our sin and our shame on him, you know, it's... it's it, it, we, we don't really, we can't really compute what, what that is. Cause we, we know what it feels like to carry our own. Like I can, I can kind of, sort of, maybe, okay, some level of shame. But, but to carry the shame of everybody in this room, I, I can't even compute that. Let alone the world and everybody who would come. So we, don't, we don't know what that is, but there he is. And, and, and he, says, he says, behold thy son. The cross ushered in 
spiritual family. He's referring to his mother and, 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 and John. He says, Mary, this is, your, this is your son. And he says to John, this is your mother. Now, Jesus had, other, had natural brothers and sisters. We know that the scriptures tell us he had, he had, he had natural uh, brothers and sisters. So, so Mary wasn't going to be left destitute because Jesus was going. But what Jesus was saying in that moment was, there's just something that's more real about spiritual family that is even more real than natural family. He, he reinforced something that he, he had said earlier on, on one of the days when he had been teaching and his family had come to him and, and they, had, they had tried to see him. And he, he had said in response that, that you know, my, my, my mother and my brothers are those people who do the will of the Father. That's my real mother and my brother. So we here, as we come under the banner of Christ and as we do his will and as we identify ourselves with him, we are real eternal family. We love our natural family, uh, but, but we have to recognize that when we think of family, this is what God thinks when he thinks of family. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus utters these words. In, 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 you have to realize that when Jesus was speaking these words, why have you forsaken me? He was expressing them because he was experiencing something that he had never experienced in his entire existence. And that was true separation from God. Because God had, had turned his face away from him. And, and what I want to say about this is, saints, I know that some of us have had times of feeling incredibly lonely, incredibly rejected, uh, and, and, and we, we feel like, man, people and maybe even God has, has abandoned me. You, you have never truly experienced abandonment. Nobody who's alive today has ever experienced true, uh, to be truly abandoned by the Father. See, see we, we may not acknowledge God, but He's there. We may not acknowledge his presence, but he's here with us. You may work in a place that you feel like is from hell. You, you may feel like your manager is... Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> and you feel like the presence of God just is not in this, but guess what? He's there. In the most hostile places on earth, he's there. Uh, uh, to to, the, to the, the most evil person that you can think of, he's there. That person may not acknowledge him, but he's there. But there will come a day when he won't be. And that person will know what true abandonment is. But, but Jesus was stepping into that moment so that we wouldn't have to. You, you never have to know why Jesus uttered those words. You never have to know it. But you can choose to. You can choose to go, no, 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 I, I'll take the abandonment. Turn, turn your face from me, Lord, because I'll carry my own stuff. And Jesus says, I thirst. And whether that was a, a practical, physical thirst, it's likely that he was hanging on, there, on, on the cross for, for hours and hours and uh, de- some level of dehydration might have set in. Whether that's a spiritual thirst, it's also likely um, that, that, that he's, he was express, expressing a, a, the thirst of, of being abandoned by God. That whether it was that he was fulfilling 
Old Testament prophecy is also likely in Psalm 22, in Deuteronomy, Lamentations, and in other places, Hosea prophesies of, of the Christ who, 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 who would be abandoned unto death and, and, and who would thirst to the point that his tongue would stick to the roof of his mouth. And then he, and then he says this, he says, it is finished. It is finished. And, and, and so when Jesus recognized that he, he had now fulfilled the mandate for which he had come to earth, he declared these words, it is finished. It's words that he declared so that we could live by them. So that we could know that whatever we are facing, whatever struggle we're in, what, 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 however the outcome looked, Jesus, there was a day when Jesus declared on the cross that it is finished. And that we declare after him, whether we see it or not, we declare after him, it is finished. It is completed. It is done. The, the, the fullness has been realized. So therefore, I can step into that as a declaration and as a promise. And finally, uh, when all things had been completed and, and, uh, and, and he had said all these sayings and, and he had taken care of, of the people that were there with him and he knew that his sacrifice was complete, he uttered out with a loud cry, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. So it was less, it was less beautiful. It was, it was less like, oh, Father. Into the, it was a warfare cry. Why? Because warfare, for Jesus in that moment, wasn't taking somebody down. Warfare in that moment was surrender. And so as a final act of victory, he surrenders, humbles himself, and surrenders himself to the complete will of God, even unto death. That's why we celebrate. Shall we stand together? Father, we commit our spirits, our lives, our families, our work, our businesses, our children, our finances, our ambitions, our purposes, our identity, our relationships, our marriages, our careers, future prospects doubts, sin, shame, guilt, abandonment issues, rejection, depression, isolation, all of those things and more we commit to you. Because you declared that it is done, that it is finished. And so, we want to be like you and declare, Tetelestai, over every one of these situations, it is finished. Amen. 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 Amen.
Thank you, Jesus.